If you choose your status and influence to raise your voice on behalf of those who have no voice, if you choose to identify not only with the powerful, but with the powerless, if you retain the ability to imagine yourself into the lives of those who do not have your advantages, then it will not only be your proud families who celebrate your existence, but thousands and millions of people whose reality you have helped change. We do not need magic to change the world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. We have the power to imagine better. Hi all, I'm Kelvin, the co-founder of Project ID, and that was a snippet of J.K. Rowling's Harvard Commencement Address in 2008 entitled The Fringe Benefits of Failure and the Importance of Imagination. And today, you are listening to Seek to Speak, a podcast that aims to empower expression, spark speeches, and instigate ideas. Seek to Speak. Hi everyone, I'm Aisa and welcome to Season 2 of seek to speak And with me today is Kelvin, the co-founder of Project ID, an education social enterprise that runs high-impact programs to empower students to lead themselves and others. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, Project ID has run over 70 online workshops with more than 1,700 student participation all across Malaysia. They just concluded their Young Educators Challenge, YEC, which had 375 students applying and 66 students chosen to design their perfect online class in order to win prizes worth up to 90,000 ringgit. Project ID does incredible work for an incredible amount of people and I'm so, so lucky to have Kelvin with me today to talk about his journey. Welcome to the show, Kelvin. So happy to have you here. How are you feeling? Hi, really great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Just to let everyone know, Aisa was one of the mentors that we have for yeah. YEC. How do you feel from your experience with YEC? It was so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling that I knew I just had to have you on the show because if this is the kind of impact that you had on me, mm-hmm. I can't imagine the kind of impact that you have on the students because my mentees are just amazing. And yeah. I just think <laughs> for you to change so many people's lives, just not the mentees, but the mentors myself as well Mm. I have got to pick your brain and that's why (laughs) you're here today so in our first segment which is the guest guide we'll find out more about you Kelvin as we guide our listeners through your journey behind Project ID Mm -hmm. so from what I know Project ID started out as a humble school-based initiative back in 2013 when you were with Teach for Malaysia right Mm -hmm. but now it's a full-fledged social enterprise Mm -hmm. but let's go back in Mm -hmm. time how Mm -hmm. did Project ID came to be Mm -hmm. and then how did you manage to get it to where it is today Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, Project ID started out with my career as a high school teacher when I was based in Klang. And so a lot of my students were predominantly coming from B40 households. And so I saw that my students were, they were eager to learn, but they couldn't see the connection between today, which was at the time, Mm. with the future. And in fact, you know, recently there was a a paper from McKinsey on education that showed that mindset is the single most important factor in predicting student achievement. So with all these things put together, we thought, okay, let's start a school project where we help 
40 of our Form 1 students and to help them connect with their career aspirations in the future so that mm. they can see the benefits of you know, studying in school. So that's how it came to be. And then over time, when, after I finished teaching, I decided to still continue it. And it was still a school-based initiative. Mm. And as when we go say, along... Sorry, yeah, when you say yeah. school-based, meaning mm-hmm. it's for a particular school, one yes, school? Yes, it was only for that school that I was serving in. I see. And this was a school called SMK Pandamaranjaya. At that time, the school was ranked quite quite low in, in compared to the rest of the national schools. Mm. But that's just the reality that our students were, were in. And so yeah. we wanted to do, what we wanted to do was to come up with a few activities where we could bridge the gap for our students so that, you know, they can achieve. So a lot of the notions that our students carry with them was, I don't believe that I can do it. Mm. I am poor, therefore I will never get into university because I can't afford it. Yeah. But for us uh, as teachers, we were thinking, no, that's not the case. There is such a thing as student loans. There is such a thing as student scholarships. All you need is, yes, the right academic success, but also, you know, uh, uh, the right attitude and the right mindset. And so uh, when we first started Project ID, a lot of the activities, in fact, today, still, the activities still are very mindset-based, mm. where we strive to change our students' mindset from thinking that, mm, I'm just an average kid in an average school, to hoping they will think all it takes is a lot of hard work and some self-belief and just doing whatever it takes for me to, to, to reach the goals that I set myself onto. Wow, that sounds so incredibly empowering. (laughs) And I think that's the effect that you have on the students as well, the ability to believe that you can succeed Mm -hmm. more than your circumstances. So from there, now you create, how how did it come from one school to benefiting, like I said, Mm. I don't know, 1,600 student participation? Yeah, so in the earlier years of Project ID, we were just focused on one school and just trying to help students in that same school. And then over time, we started having people recognizing that our methodology was effective. And so we started getting referrals from other organizations coming to Project ID and say, hey, can you run this program for us? Can you run, can you design and run a different program for us? And that's because the, they, they started to recognize that, oh, Project ID has this ability in designing soft skill programs mm. that are very focused on experiential learning. And it really, you can really see how a student's mindset changes after going through a weekend or even five days uh, with Project ID. So once we gotten, uh, we started getting these referrals, we took on these projects and kind of just snowballed. And over time, we evolved into a social enterprise instead of just uh, focusing in one school. We also had teachers from other schools coming to us and say like, hey, we love your career aspirations program. Can you bring it to our school? And we'll figure out how to fundraise together. So in fact, last year, we had one teacher, well, no, a pair of teachers in Samporna Sabah wow. who came to us and said like, hey, we really want to do this. We just raised some money and we want to bring Project ID to our school. And, and we did it. We did it with those teachers in Samporna. We sent us two of our two of our facilitators to to coach the teachers through it and and we co-organized the program with them. That's so incredible. So mm-hmm. it's like a collaborative effort that just snowballed into what it is today. You you are a team of how many of you? We right are now? a team of five full-time staff with a few more pro bono part-time and along with more than 30 to 50 freelance uh, facilitators in our network. That's incredible. Yeah. And 
to think that it started from just a high school initiative just for from one students has catapulted itself into like you guys are getting accredited very soon for being a social enterprise as well right yes hopefully uh, we just submitted and we fingers crossed that we will get accredited i'm i'm certain <laughs> that if magic knows what's good for them and is listening to this episode you guys should get accredited accredited <laughs> so speaking about your program so one of your flagship program is pid online right mm-hmm. and it consists of several online sessions like career sharing workshop series ceo series and my favorite sembang lepak so these Programs expose students to people like Nicole David, as well as skills and focus on mindset, leadership, values, career aspirations. Why high school students and these types of programs in particular? You know, why not coding or extra classes from maths and science? So why high school students? Very simple, because I was a high school teacher. I'm most familiar in working with high school students so far. And because the genesis of Project ID was centered on Form 1 students, mm-hmm. We just continue to roll over to just focus on high school students. In fact, in in you know we have millions of high school students that we try to empower. We can never empower enough, right? Yeah. So that's that was the niche that we picked. The other thing is why why soft skills, why twenty first century skills, why mm. growth mindset. So when I was a teacher, I would bring my kids to all these camps, leadership camps or student workshops, and my biggest gripe was that I thought that they were quite superficial. Uh, they were quite one-off, mm-hmm. and I always like to reflect on my students as I drive them back home uh, or back to school from these camps, and I ask them, you know, what do you learn? And they would say some nice things, but they, this impact don't sustain. And I was just just started to ask myself, hmm, why is that the case? And I exam as I examine the, the programs that this some of these uh, people run, it was that there wasn't a, a long-term element into the, the the student program. There wasn't enough depth in the way we we teach students because as a teacher you bring on a pedagogical mind mm. but as a normal facilitator sometimes you just bring in hey i just want to train kids because i'm passionate yeah so then i thought why don't we marry these few things together uh, drawing from my experience as an educator trained in pedagogy having contacts on public school systems especially so with b40 communities And think, okay, what can I do for my kids? And so we said, let's let's do this series of activities called Project ID initially, and and instead of just you know letting it be a, a superficial thing, instead of the short term thing, let's make it long term. So initially, Project ID was positioned as a five year program where we work with the same set of students from oh, form, form one, one to form all five. the way to form five. Yeah, right. And we saw some impact in those. It's just that the the The, the issue with that was it was quite difficult to raise funds for mm. people to see like oh I'm committing to a long term initiative from yeah. form one all the way to form five because oftentimes people want to see a faster faster impact yeah. um, and that's okay so that's why we we decided to say okay when it comes to our programs we are going to split it into form one and form two and then there's aspiracy form three and uh, sorry form four and form five mm. right and. The other thing around this is we see a lot of people in the market already teaching about STEM, 
school in of itself already focus on academic skills. Yeah, you're right. But the focus, a lot of times we don't, I think it's just we don't have enough time in school to focus on like the other extracurricular stuff yeah. uh, and the soft skill side of things. So we thought, why don't we supplement ourselves? Because we never want to replace uh, the school system. You want to work with the school system. Yeah. Uh, especially so coming from the a mind of teacher, an educator, yeah. Yeah, former school teacher, right? Yeah, I don't want to replace. I, I just want to make it better and add on to the capacity that sometimes school don't have the capacity to do so. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Now mm-hmm. that we are here, mm-hmm. we're going to go into our next segment, which is a deep discussion where we do a deep dive on a particular issue. And today's issue, can you take a guess? <laughs> it's online learning, where we will be deconstructing and analyzing the data set produced by Project ID's Your Voice Matters survey, which garnered information from over 700 respondents aged between 13 to 18 years old all across Malaysia. So you guys did an awesome data collection. And in that survey, first of all, what you found that only 25% of students actually prefer online learning. Mm -hmm. And students from East Malaysia indicate that higher levels of negative feelings towards Mm -hmm. online learning Mm -hmm. when compared to other states. Mm. So let's look at that data. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that's the case? Mm. So there are are two two separate problems here as I see it. Uh, Number one is 25% of students prefer online learning. And let's look into that. Uh, A lot of people thought that after reading this, they thought, hey, offline learning is still better. No, that's not the case. As we as we looked into the data and the qualitative yep. responses, it was more the fact that the online learning experience was not conducive for our students or they are not enjoying it. So it was more of a, it, in, in technology terms or in a tech team term, it's more of a user experience problem. I see. And so they are open to online learning, but the current state of online learning was not conducive for them. So the question was, how do we improve online learning for our students? Because they were still very open to to doing online learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, part of that survey also found that students preferred WhatsApp, Google Classroom, and Telegram as teaching platform, which is, (laughs) my mind is blown because I teach through Zoom and I just thought that was most popular Mm -hmm. because I don't even know how classes can be conducted through WhatsApp to be honest Kelvin Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit of how these type of classes work on these platforms Mm -hmm. why do you think that's preferable because WhatsApp how how Kelvin (laughs) so that was interesting for us and and so when it comes to online teaching there are two forms there's synchronous and there's asynchronous so Mm -hmm. synchronous is like Zoom it's live, it's direct, or it's like between you and me, we're having this conversation now. It's very synchronous. You mean like interactive? Interactive, real-time. Ah, real-time, I see. Whereas asynchronous is non-real-time. And when you see students prefer WhatsApp, Google Classroom, Telegram, what we see here is two things. There is messaging service, and then there's Google Classroom. Mm. Why messaging service is because of connectivity. When you have poor connectivity or even limited connectivity, the online experience of a synchronous learning on Zoom, for example, or even Google Meets, it's very interruptive because mm. you can't hear halfway and then you get cut off. Yeah. That kind of ruins the experience for them. But when you transition that to asynchronous, where your teacher is sending you PDFs, your teacher is sending you Google Slides link, your teacher is sending you stuff and then it's just typing and you are on your own pace just following and you're not disconnected from the information because you are self-directed learning to some extent. Then then you see the students, you know, uh, leaning towards that form of oh, learning. that's right? really interesting. Yeah, and when it comes to Google, Google Classroom, it's simply because 
this Google Classroom is officially adopted by Ministry of Education mm. to roll out to students in Malaysia. So they are used to that. And there are merits to Google Classroom. We have used Google Classroom in our online teaching as well. So, so yeah, students are comfortable and so they choose these platforms. And this connectivity issue is also very similar on a very similar tangent on the earlier problem statement that you mentioned where East Malaysia students indicated higher levels of negative feelings towards online mm. learning. And again, it is a connectivity issue. It is not a platform or method of learning issue. It is the fact that our students have limited connectivity and therefore they are not accessing the learning well enough. So you think if we had better connectivity, those platforms may change, meaning they might actually prefer Zoom. Oh yeah, or even Google, Google Meet or anything I see. So this is where you see that access is a lot more different. Yeah. You know, when things, when you go to school, it's a lot more equalized because everybody gets to be in the class, gets to listen. Yeah. But when it comes to online learning, then you have that problem of whether or not you'll be able to access internet. So it's, but it's interesting to see that means from the statistics mm -hmm. that a majority of them don't have great connectivity. Mm -hmm. And it could be also not having sufficient, it's not just connectivity, it's having the device, right? Mm -hmm. Some people maybe one parent has one laptop to yep. be shared amongst the other parent as well as all their children. I really hope that we get to that point where connectivity is not really an issue. But speaking about the other data set from your survey, mm -hmm. because what I found interesting is that you found a higher indications of tiredness, frustration, stress, anxiousness, insecurity, mm -hmm. and the feeling of loss towards mm -hmm. online learning amongst older students, mm -hmm. 17 to 18 years old compared to younger students. So older students prefer offline over online. I think this is interesting because I've always thought that online learning was harder for younger kids. Mm -hmm. You hear teachers from kindergarten schools. And even for me, I find younger students have shorter attention spans. They need a lot more help to set up everything, to navigate through the online platforms. Mm. But in reality, the data set is different. Why do you think older students feel this way? Mm, okay. So the first thing I would caveat is when we say older versus younger, it is based on a spectrum of 13 to 18 years old. Mm. So they are, they are in secondary school. And that, there were two hypotheses that we, we drew up from this finding. The first thing is older students are sitting for ex public examinations oh, yeah. for SPM. It is more stressful. And you are departing from the convention, from the expectation that you have been trained that I'm going to sit uh, in the school hall come November slash December. And after that, you know, I'm done. And leading up to that, my teachers are going to give me intensives. I'll be going to school for workshops, workshops yeah. and everything. <laughs> and now pandemic, booms, there's everything changes. It's so different. And I'm worried, of course, because what does that mean for my learning? What does that mean for my exam structure? What does that mean for the timeline? And the anxiety is very, very real. I imagine myself, if I was an SPM student, I would feel equally as anxious, if not more. And, mm. you know, this is where I feel like, oh, I'm lucky because I had a pretty normal SPM experience where yeah. I followed the conventions as was communicated to me throughout the years. So that's one. The second thing about why younger students might be a bit more open to online learning, maybe, is because it's... It's newer to them because it's not so ingrained that school have to be in a certain way. I see. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. So you're in form one, secondary school is still fairly new to you and suddenly booms. I have to uh, learn online. Hmm, maybe. Let's try. Yeah, yeah. And the stakes are not as high, right? Yeah. When it comes to the older students. 
which is like I really, really feel a lot of empathy for the SVM students yeah. because it's like there's so much uncertainty for them and then the job market after is that why you had Sembang Lepa? Is that something that's connected? Yeah, so I so interestingly Sembang Lepa had a lot of uh, older students join. It What's was Sembang Lepa just so that the listeners know? I mean I know Sure. So Sembang Lepa is is a session that is uh, one of the PID online s- sessions where we get students to dial in from all over Malaysia into a Zoom session and we raise a topic and they just discuss around it. Mm. So for example, one topic that we had was, you know, how should online learning be for mm. us? And it's a very student-directed sort of learning. So you think about, sorry, conversation. So you think about it, some schools have speaker's corner. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like a public, it's like a public discourse in a very safe space. So Sembang Lepa is that online equivalent where students come in, they have a safe space. We set the tone. We have some expectations on like being respectful in communicating, and students just exchanging ideas with one another. Um, so it's it's addressing two things. Number one is you're bringing out the best in students. Yeah. They're given again self agency. They're empowered to to think that I have ideas and it should be shared. And I'm sharing with like minded peers. That's number one. Number two is students do want to share. It's an outlet. Imagine sitting at home and you don't have a space to to participate. Like yeah. in school, there are a lot of avenues. But at home, maybe it's a little bit more limited with online learning. Sembang Lepa is that new avenue where students can, can just express themselves. Yeah, yeah, and feel that kind of connection that a lot of students feel like they've lost because mm-hmm. of the lack of schools. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's one of my favorite programs. I think it's really <laughs> cool that you have that. So on that, let's mm-hmm. also end with a positive note because in the survey, what you also found is that some students actually enjoy the flexibility of online learning, maybe especially the younger students. It empowers them to manage themselves at their own pace while also enjoying the convenience of accessing additional learning materials online. What is your advice to teachers to capture on the online platform and preference of flexibility. I believe that you released some articles about how to make online lessons more engaging. Maybe you can share some of your top tips, like maybe your favorite advice for online learning. Hmm. So one thing about for teachers is I think that a lot of teachers in Malaysia are doing uh, are innovating in their own way, coming up with interesting approaches to get their students to learn online. And I'm always in awe of all these teachers. It's a little bit unfortunate that we don't we're, we don't catch these stories often enough. Yeah. And a lot of times, I, I like to also find myself having a chat with these teachers and also constantly learning from them. Mm. And a lot of teachers do know that uh, students have the preference of flexibility, but a lot of teachers also have constraints in the way that they're able to exercise their capacity to serve these students. Because yeah. again, one teacher doing one subject can serve up to two to 300 students at any given That's time. That's crazy. Actually, even listening to it, it's like, wow, the burden that we place on teachers. But, you know, based on the survey and based on some of our practices in PID online, there are a few things that we, we discovered that can be very useful in an online session. But I also recognize that maybe some teachers may have more challenges in exercising uh, or executing that simply because not on their part, but let's say it's a connectivity issue or like subject matter wise, it's not a good fit, right? Yeah. But some of the things that we find useful is, you know, creating theme online classes. So for example, oh, wow. since you mentioned, we talked about JK Rowling. Yeah. Uh, imagine you shouldn't dial in and it's a Harry Potter theme and you are <laughs> Harry Potter and there's Hermione and let's get on this journey 
on discovering something about science, you know? Uh-huh. That could be interesting for our kids. And they, they, we find our kids like quite, they, they, they like the whole storytelling uh, journey in that yeah, lesson. Yeah, yeah. So oh, my mentees cool. had a dead poet society team. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh, they, they learned it from you guys. That's, that's really <laughs> yeah. interesting. That's really interesting. Either from us or maybe they, their teachers themselves have done it with them for all we know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a really good tip. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other thing that we we find useful uh, for our students is opening up a conversation with them. You know, sometimes before we start a class or after we finish, just taking a pause and reflecting together and asking the kids, hey, how do you guys find about today's session? uh? Like, what works for you? How do you want me to do it differently? Mm. And sometimes it can be very surprising. We we thought that, oh, WhatsApp wasn't very conducive because it's asynchronous. Yeah. But some students tell us, Oh, miss or oh, sir, uh, can you also send us this PDF? Our teacher send us PDF and we find it very useful because sometimes I drop off from the call and then I cannot follow. So the point is not, not that we must use WhatsApp or PDF, but the <laughs> point is it's about listening to our kids and you know taking a time to pause, reach out on a very rather personal or human capacity and have a very human conversation with our, our kids about how is their online learning how can this experience be better for, for them? How can we as educators do better to help them? And also encouraging, encouraging them to think, how can they as participants improve, take agency and improve <laughs> their online lesson with me as an educator? I think that's important. That's such incredible advice that I did not, I mean, I teach too. And I find this incredibly illuminating because sometimes you take for granted Mm -hmm. the amount of information that you garner from kids. And like you said, they're incredible sources of information. The things that my mentees thought of Mm. were mind blowing. I thought I knew it all, but that's, that's the thing. Like you need to have humility in order to see your students as people that you can engage with, that people you are particularly serving and Mm -hmm. therefore their voices should be heard and I love that ethos coming from you very very strongly so our last segment which is also my favorite segment is called radical role play this is where we provide the guests with imagined scenarios where they would have to use their communication skills to resolve so today we have some student scenarios and Kelvin here will use his passion and speech (laughs) skills to empower and motivate them are you ready Kelvin? okay we'll try so one of the things that Project ID intends to do next year with the young educators challenge is for it to be more accessible to students in rural areas as well as high need schools so one of your plans is to tour different states in malaysia to directly connect with the students and get them on board so let's imagine Mm. it is the year 2021 vaccine Mm. is out and you're on yuc's campaign trail in a sekolah kebangsaan in rural kedah there you met some brilliant high schoolers who love the activities you run but when prompted to join the competition they were really really reluctant they were intimidated by the structure, by the fact that their upbringing could be a disadvantage, that it would have to compete with top schools in Klang Valley. Mm. They think they won't stand a chance and they don't want to be disappointed. You want to persuade them to join. Mm. What do you say, Kelvin? Mm. Pretend I'm them. Okay. So I would say, Ayesa, I, I heard that, you know, you, you are facing some uh, second guessing about joining YC. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what's, what's on your mind? I feel very intimidated because mm. my command of English is not great mm-hmm. and my internet connectivity is not great either and mm. I don't think I have the advantages of those in from schools in the city. Mm. 
I just don't want to be disappointed. Sure, I understand. And, and what do you think are those advantages that will, you know, not help you be successful? I think the disadvantages would be the fact that I don't have, first of all, I have housework that I need to do at home. Sure. And second of all, I I just see school as mm. something that I can attend and finish, you know. Mm. I don't see it as I need to do all these extracurricular activities. Mm. So, I don't know. I just don't think I'll win. So, what's the point, right? Mm. No, I, I think that makes sense to some extent. I mean, your, what you feel is, is, is valid. Can I just ask, you know, when you were going through this workshop with us as we were doing in the past day, how, how were you feeling? You know, did you enjoy it? Yeah, yes, I did. And, and what were the few highlights that were on your mind from this workshop? I felt empowered. Mm-hmm. I also felt like it was fun. Mm. Like... What about those elements that were empowering and fun for you? Because I get to, I get to do activities with my friends. Mm. Mm. That's fun. Mm. And did you feel successful like doing it? Yeah, even though I didn't particularly do some of them well. Yeah, but it was fun, kan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fun. Uh, and can I just ask another question? Like, you know, for YEC, kan? Uh, since you already know a bit, what do you think helps people win in YEC? What is it? I don't know, actually. Mm. But I don't think I have it. Mm. But you said you don't think you have it. There must be something. I don't know. I just don't think I'm smart enough. Mm. I don't think I'm smart enough. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm hardworking enough. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that I will do well. I'm not very confident with my skills. Mm. Okay. No, thanks for sharing that. I think number one, I think you're super smart. Because I saw that, you know, in the past one day, you with your friends and you guys were able to do this activity. And I saw you guys achieve that when initially it was quite a struggle. I think that was great. That was brilliant. And the fact that you felt successful, the fact that you felt that it was fun is, is proof, you know, that, that it, you guys are smart, right? I will say, yes, YEC is going to be super challenging. And yes, you know, the reality is there will always be a lot of people who are going to be smart. You are going to be a lot smarter than a lot of people. There will be people who is going to be smarter than you. But the point about YEC, I would say, is we don't assess for smartness. YEC is not about getting the smartest and therefore the smartest will win. It's not about getting the most hardworking and therefore the most hardworking will win. No. YEC is about getting a group of very passionate young people like yourself who believe in that they have a voice, that they can make a change, which you said that you can and you showed that you could in the past day to come together to meet other smart people equal to you around Malaysia. Maybe they're smarter, maybe they're not, but they are equal to you in different ways. Come together, participate, and actually stand a chance to win, right? And I always say that YEC, and actually in a lot of competition, it's... It's really not about winning or losing sometimes. Part of it is really the journey. The journey of trying very hard to achieve. The journey of learning. Because YEC, we have all these workshops and camps and I truly believe that you are going to benefit so much from it and you're going to have a lot of fun with it. I, I guarantee it, right? So yeah, I, I, I do think you are right to feel nervous. You are right that you know, your connectivity is going to be limited compared mm -hmm. to some people in KL. You are right. But that's not 
what will determine whether you are successful in YEC. It is about the ideas that you bring. It is about how much effort you're putting together. And it's about that innovation that you are carrying. And to tell you the truth, even the people who didn't win in YEC, they are not the worst. They are, in fact, innovative in their own ways and they are creating their own versions of successes post-YEC. So, Aisa, I hope you will consider you know, doing YEC a little bit. I'm not going to force you, but I truly, truly believe that you are going to have a lot of fun and you're going to learn a lot. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sir Kelvin. I think I will join YEC. Great. <laughs> you have convinced me. That was Thanks. such a spirited speech. That was amazing. I'm inspired to join. If only I was a 17-year-old. <laughs> All right, so we've come to the end of the episode. So mm-hmm. we usually, so what I usually ask my my guests is, mm-hmm. Kelvin, mm-hmm. why do you seek to speak? I seek to speak because I hope that more students will find their voice to speak for themselves. I hope that you know they will believe in their self agency, that they can take control of their own learning, that they can inform on you know new methodologies and approaches when it comes to challenging the status quo that starts to disadvantage them. Mm. So yeah, that's why I speak this. That's incredible. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for having me, Aisa. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to episode 2 of season 2. We hope you like the new format so far. Now it's time to announce the winner for our season 2 giveaway. But before we announce the winner who will receive a 100 ringgit grab food voucher, very appropriate for this difficult time, I also want to thank all of those who have participated as well as submitted their entries. As a bonus, we will be giving away 3 20 ringgit grab food vouchers to three special people who got consolation prizes. The first is Mas Snaps who wrote, I seek to speak to normalize being middle-aged and unmarried. In brackets, and you are not better than me just because you are married. (laughs) We thought that this was a very sassy entry and deserves a mention. The second consolation prize goes to Dazed Comics who wrote, I seek to speak to spread further awareness on anxiety and depression and create a safe place for those struggling with it. And Days Comic does that by sharing comics on mental health. So I think you definitely deserve a consolation prize. And lastly, we have an entry from Fiza Kamarudin who wrote, I seek to speak about the rights of a child from an interface marriage in Malaysia, which we thought was so interesting and so unique that it deserves a mention. But most importantly, the entry that won a hundred ringgit voucher is that's my drum roll imitation <laughs> is Sunflower one nine zero three seventy six, who wrote. I seek to speak, to speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves, for justice and equal rights for people all over the world. We thought that this was such an admirable as well as ambitious goal that we had to give this person the win. So if you are Sunflower1903376, Days Comics, must snaps as well as Fiza Kamaridin, please DM us on Seek to Speak or email us hello seek to speak at gmail.com and give us your email so that we can send you the voucher that you very much deserve. And for those of you who didn't win this time, there will be more giveaways in the future. And please, please, please do participate. Thank you guys and I'll talk to you next time.
Bye. Seek to speak.